This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome, everybody, to the show. This is Alex Goff, editor-in-chief of RugbyMag.com, and this is show number 84. We've got, we've got a couple of guests, actually, coming on and several topics to cover, and uh, Bruce and Pat are here. I'm here. Uh, Bruce, what's up? I tell you, it's a great St. Patrick's Day. You know, when I heard, uh, actually, I heard this a couple of years ago, but it was really funny. O'Leary, O'Kelly, O'Hannon, O'Harvard, there's no one as Irish as Barack Obama. I think I saw that actually on like a weird rap, and it, it somehow was intertwined it's with Ronald O'Gara. It's on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad you had a good uh, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Pat and I, I think we spent the entire day just working because it was a, a big rugby day, and we got a few big weekends coming up. Uh, one, one, a big weekend uh, coming up for this guest because uh, we've got Evan Haig, uh, coach, uh, player coach with. Uh, Opuja Sound Beach, um, although I think it's more coach than player these days. Um, Evan, you got to correct me on that. And also working with Serevi Rugby. Uh, and uh, Evan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. How, how, how's the, the, the playing going these days? Every time uh, I talk to you, it seems like you've injured yourself. Yeah, I, I, I did my ACL over the summer. And so it, uh, it meant that I'm having to take the Super League off this year and concentrate just on my coaching. So uh, it it's kind of a blessing in disguise. It means that I can really, really nail down on my foot coaching and really give the guys full attention to that. And so I'm no longer considering myself a player coach. Um, we'll reassess next year to see whether I actually ever come back and play again. But um, at the moment, it's kind of put my boots up for the time being and, and um, just concentrate on coaching. Well, I remember sitting at my desk watching uh, video footage of beach playing last year against the now out of the league utah warriors and uh the a game i think you won by one point and i i texted you mm-hmm. or emailed you in the middle of this because uh, you know i said how come uh coach Haig, you didn't point out that your uh fullback evan Haig, had run all the way across the field uh on a, on an angle to make a tackle and and stop uh, a warrior from scoring a try with uh with about a meter left and in a one-point game, how how come you didn't point that out? So I you know tease you a little bit because um, player coaches, for the most part, don't point out the fact that if they have good games, and Evan Haig is uh, when you're healthy, um, pretty useful player certainly. Uh, but you're coaching. How does uh, how does Beach look with the uh, with the Super League season for you coming up? Beach, uh, Beach looks good. Um, we were due to start this weekend, but uh, we're on the Utah. Um, first game of the season so we're no longer traveling to Utah and taking a weekend of rest um, which is kind of a little well earned we've had a a a little bit of a banged up preseason which is what we wanted Um, we went heavy with um, with some top quality kind of preseason components and then we put all of our reserves and um, you know a lot of our guys who are kind of working back from injury through the BC league which um we have the blessing of being able to do that, to be able to send guys north to Canada and play teams like Bayside, um, Rowers, and so on, who are all top-notch Canadian teams, and they can really develop under the intensity that is up there. Uh, so it's, you know, I'm not going to lie, we're we're a little we're a little beaten up, but we're also um, really excited about coming into the season. We've uh, instigated a couple of new things, and the guys have really taken to it, and and they're enjoying their rugby and. 
you know, they, they'd have to when, with the amount that we're trading. So, which is, which is fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing them really taking, taking it to a, to a team and taking the lessons they've learned through the preseason into the Super League. You had a, a an experienced group of backs for the most part yep. last couple of years. Um, forwards, uh, I, I think some some of them were in, in transition. Some young guys, some very young guys, mm-hmm. got some time. Um, so, how's that tight five working out? Yeah, the tight five. Um, we've returned everybody bar one, um, and we brought in. Uh, I believe he was a former All American and Aaron Fry. Um, in sure. in the second row, um, he's been a huge impact for us. Uh, he's great technical around uh, in the lineout and brilliant around the field, um, which has kind of solidified our, our our tight five there. Everybody else has returned. We've got a strong front row who's like you said, who last year were were developing, um, made a huge impact by the end of the season, but um, are really raring, ready to go, and much fitter than they were walking into the beginning of last season. So I'm really confident with that. We've got a very dynamic back row, um, uh, which, you know, which with Kellen Gordon coming in there from central Washington um, brings a lot of impact and speed to what we do. Um, And then we have a couple of young kids that uh, really surprised us through the preseason have really stepped up on who are going to bring some depth off the bench for us, which is great. You have a, you have a pretty new field out there. And yeah. I know you played on it last year, and and you would you would been on a grass field, and and out in Washington it can be get mm-hmm. a little wet. Have you changed the way you operate in order to take advantage of the fast track and the fact that the uh, the rain component, the weather component in terms of wind is always there, but the rain component is really taken out of the game as far I, as I would, the muddy I track. Would say- I would say it's a little bit in the reverse. The track has enabled us to play the style that we want to play. Um, it's a wonderful field there at Magnuson City provided. Um, it allows for us to train um, in immaculate conditions, always soft under feet. Um, there is, you know, the kickback with turf. I know you guys have that out there at NIAC as well as is, um, is the ACL issue and blowing. Um, we seem to seeing a lot of those um, going out on the, on the turf, but that's the trade-off you have. You know, you're going to see different types of injuries on different types of fields, but it certainly does allow for a more expansive style of play. Um, it's enabled us to, to really hone in on our skills and, and our ability to do that in practice. Um, you know, you don't, the ball isn't as wet, it isn't as muddy, so you can really, really in, uh, up the intensity and in, in the way you approach the skills and the way we really get the ball in hand on the guys, and they really they've come along in leaps and bounds. We've had that field for close to three years now. Um, it kind of happened in the middle of the spring um, three years ago where we were able to play uh, one game against Golden Gate there. Um, and from there, we've, just, we've been blessed to be able to use that field for every practice that we do. And it just, I, I think that's one of the key components that's really helped us um, move forward as, as a club. You know, everybody knows the struggles we had um, you know, years ago where we were struggling to even win one game a season, and that one game was when the team we were playing was just switched off and wasn't paying attention. So we've gone, we've gone from being that team who was happy to compete and be in the, be in the league and be a part of it to a team that is, that is really, you know, I feel this year is a contention to winning the title, and, um, and the guys believe it, and, and we believe it in Seattle. That field, by the way, uh, you know, for people who don't know, uh, was, what, 10 years in the making? Trying least, to get the at trying least, to get yeah. at least ten years. Um, you know, it was a lot of people put a lot of work into it, um, and it's changed rugby in the northwest. You know, rugby is 
rugby was was dwindling there for a while and now everybody's starting to come back and starting to take it seriously and we have a wonderful facility to, to base ourselves out of and and every weekend every saturday games are going on there from you know nine o'clock in the morning through to seven o'clock in the evening when we play now evan uh one of one of the other things one of the other developments in uh the seattle area is that you get uh, uh kevin swearin is moving back yeah uh, after he's retired now and he's he he opted out he got an opt out of his contract at Agen because he's uh his injuries have basically forced him to retire uh, i know he's interested in coaching um have you reached out to him has he reached out to you um yeah yet Kev- Kevin reached out to me, I want to say a month ago. Uh, he explained to me the, the reasons why he's retiring and uh, why he's moving back and his interest to be involved and uh, trying to work out a way to do it. Obviously, he knows that uh, it's not something that you can just jump in at the last minute within a season, but he certainly has expressed an interest to be involved in Seven's program in the summer. Um, and he's also, I know a number of different colleges in the area have also spoken to him about um, getting out there and just helping them with some of the some of the core skills um, and that kind of component. So, so you've got that a new resource coming back to the the Seattle area, which is great. Even if, as you say, he just works on sevens. Yep. Then then you you had the the resource of uh, an, another player a couple of years ago moving in, which was Pate Tuilavuka, mm-hmm. who's uh, become a great leader, um, somebody everybody looks up to um, literally and figuratively. And then, of course, add to that is the arrival of Wasely Serevi, um, who started a business yes. in Seattle and is starting out there. Now, you work for Wasely, you work for Serevi Rugby. Yes, and and uh, as and as does Pate, so right? And Pate all... does too, right? Um, which is um, so. Tell us a little bit about. I mean, I know you've had a you had a camp recently in in Minnesota. Um, tell us about how that went, and um, what are some of the things you've been working on? Yeah, so uh, West Sally last year, uh, last February in Vegas, uh, we launched um, Serenity Rugby, um, and the aim was to broaden and develop, help develop. Um, American rugby, we, as everybody knows, everybody hears the news reports, uh, rugby is growing 20% compounded every year. There's a, there's a huge amount of people out there that want to play, um, and it's just giving them the avenue to be out there and play. Um, I know Bruce is involved in Play Rugby USA in, in New York, um, and it's very similar mindset to what we do. We're trying to get young kids involved in rugby and playing and excited about playing um, you know the, the biggest the biggest thing that we're we're trying to do is build the funnel of kids coming through. So we have a huge amount of resources um, putting us up, putting into um, into the development of youth rugby. Uh, we sanded on uh, Washington last year, and we've we've built out our programs from um, you know I want to say seven or eight different camps we had throughout the year to now this year coming up we have close to forty camps just in the Washington area. Um, all at the youth level um, in partnerships with Parks and Recs, YMCA's, Boys and Girls Clubs, um, afternoons, uh, after-school camps to uh, week-long summer camps and spring camps. And then recently we, uh, we brought on uh, Matt Hawkins down in California who's uh, mirroring what we're doing and going out there, and he's already had a huge amount of traction into, uh, into, into the California market, which uh, we all know is much more developed rugby-wise. Um, and has a huge population, and we're excited about what Matt's doing down there as well, doing the exact same thing. He's uh, he's getting close to, to 35 to 40 camps as well lined up for the summer. Um, so we have a lot of a lot of exciting things that are going on in the kind of the youth component, and that's that's the main driving area. What we want, we want to build that funnel. We have 
kind of three different tiers in in our in our programming. Um, the bottom level is the youth component, really getting these young kids, you know, uh, five-year-olds through to 14, 15, 16-year-olds into rugby and excited about it, kids who haven't played before. Over 60% of people who participate in our camps are people who have never played rugby before. So we're, we're really going in there and trying to build out the people who play rugby. Um, and then the next level is what we call our training camps, which is what, what we went to uh, Minnesota with, uh, which is more about developing rugby players, um, who are already playing and some of the new ones and being able to integrate them all, both boys and girls, um, where they, where we really give them a two day intensive uh, skill development camp. Um, the kids go in, they have a wonderful time. They have a great time. Um, we work a lot on, on passing and, and using space, um, technical components of the breakdown and tackling just the, the key con the key skill components from rugby, which, which sometimes people forget about uh, as they go and concentrate on the more of the intricacies of the line out and the scrums and all of that, instead of really focusing in on the score, the core skills. And that's what we really drive home in our, in our uh, training camps. And then the last component that we have is uh, what we held last summer where we had Gordon Titchens come over and help us with what we call an elite, uh, what we call an academy. Um, it's more an elite focus. Um, and that's about developing players who who really want to take that next step and have the potential to take that next step to the um, to the national team. And we were really excited to see players like Garrett Bender graduate out of there, Rocco Mayer, you know, graduate out of the, the academy. Um, Andrew Giortello all make it to the national team and um, and really be a, an integral part of what they're doing. Um, and we're not saying we're the ones putting them there, but we're allowing allowing them more time to develop. So. I think you know one of the biggest things that those people were bridging the gap between um, being a national team player and being a club player is just playing more rugby and playing it in a more intense environment. So that's what we're trying to provide for people and, and giving them that that kind of spectrum. So um, you know, there's obviously a smaller amount of people at the top and a larger amount of people at the bottom. So you can imagine it's like a pyramid to, to what we're doing without without programming, and then combined with all of that. Um, one of the most important parts, which we're really excited about, is the coach development. Um, there's so many coaches out there and people out there that are so eager to be a part of it and just getting the information out to them and helping them um, think about ways how best to coach their kids, the technical components that they should be concentrating on, it, uh, the vocabulary components, just really getting a greater understanding on the, on the coaching side of things really helps them um, develop. Are you, are you concentrating primarily on a on a sevens level, and is most of, most of the stuff that's done prior to high school non-contact? I am a firm believer in non-contact rugby. Uh, yeah, I I don't think that we need to be risking concussions and all that stuff before before kids get to high school, maybe eighth grade or something like that. But I I was just wondering what was going on with you. Secondly, yeah. I wanted to ask another question. Why would someone go to Serevi Rugby? How can someone get involved? And then my final question is, you know, I, I'd like you to do a little pitch on on beach rugby too Absolutely. as to why someone would want to play there, what advantages do they have, but da 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 You know, I yeah. think that you need to, you know, sell Serevi and sell your program, but you got to sell you got to sell beach too. And I just wondering what was going on there. Yeah, without, without a doubt. Thanks, Bruce. So, um, Firstly, um, it's it's at the top. It's obviously a sevens focus because that's uh, where Serevi's uh, background is from. Um, we'd love to eventually be able to branch out, but that's where we see the low hanging fruit um, on the development. 
at the bottom, it's rugby. There's, to me, there's no difference. Um, and for us, there's no difference between um, playing sevens or 15s at the lower, at the youth level. It's just getting those kids with the ball in hand and teaching them the little intricacies of rugby. And so they can understand that and about them having fun. So that's at the bottom um, towards the next levels that we kind of, we can, we can, we, we blur the lines between sevens and 15s. I think sevens and 15s transitions more than what people really give it credit for. I think the more people are, um, play sevens, the more they're comfortable with the ball in hand. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things that I've noticed in my seven years in the US, in US rugby is that American players are not comfortable with the ball in their hand. And the more we can get them comfortable with the ball in their hand and comfortable in space, the better, the better rugby players they're going to be. So, um, in that kind of mid tier, it's it's a it's a fine line between the two, but it's uh, we we try and try and stay right in the middle, not be one or the other. Um, but uh, as I said, a lot of it is sevens focused to what we do. Um, we do have a sevens a lot of sevens background. Um, if somebody wants to get involved, they can go to our website, um, surreverugby dot com. Um, I'm assuming Bruce, you're talking about a coach, or are you talking about players who just want to go out and go to a camp? I I was I was more assuming about. I was more assuming about coaches and parents and things of that nature, yep. but obviously we're also talking about I mean, probably more more we would be. You know, bro, there's probably as, as many coaches listen as players, so yep. yeah, I think that I think that on on both ends. I I, I meant coaches, but I yeah, you, you're looking for everything. You're looking for coaches. You're looking for players. With, without a doubt, and that's and that's the that's the wonderful part. Of and that. you're looking uh, for 17 year old kids who want to help six year olds. Yeah, exactly. And we're looking for kids, uh, college age kids who who want to do something in the summer, or we're looking for um, a college program who who wants to try and help develop uh, rugby and help uh, have us help them within the region and, and provide some some of those things. So um, th- that's that's where we're where we're at with, with that, you know, so everybody should just go to the website. There's a um, huge amount of information on there. Um, that would be the best thing to do. Like us on Facebook and we, and we keep a lot of updates. Um, we do go to a lot of different regions and I would encourage anybody who's interested to jump on there. We have all our contact information and shoot us a message and we'd be more than happy to, to get back to you and uh, with any questions I have. You know, Evan, I, you know, I, I find this, uh, it, it makes me laugh and, and not in a derisive way, in a, in a good way, but uh, um, you'll remember that um, I had you down to, to my town with Rion Van Zyl to mm-hmm. do a, a clinic that had, I don't, I don't remember, six people showed six up, girls. something like that. It was a very small, yeah, it was a it was very a small camp, number. I remember it. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, got, we got a couple of uh, really good players out of it, as always happens mm-hmm. with those things, but... Um, there was there was a lot of promotion that went into that. There was a lot of organization that went into that, and you know the the uh, attendance was kind of ho hum. Um, I, I think I know the answer partly to this, but why is it that you're getting the kind of response you're getting now? Um, I think it's the, the way we the way we learned from our previous lessons. You know that was I wouldn't say that was five years ago. I think Alex, you know, yeah, and and I think rugby's developed significantly since then. So the market has changed. Um, the, the lessons that I've learned personally from that and the lessons that we've all learned from development um, and how to approach these things, um, how to promote. Um, some things that we've done have worked, some things haven't. Um, and we learn those lessons and we keep building forward and we, we stand by the fun and the enjoyment that we try and bring players out there. So that grows. So I'll give you a good example. We have a, a regular program we run in Bellevue, yeah, which is just, on, uh, just outside of Seattle. Uh, it started... 
um, three weeks ago with 13 kids. We've now within uh, three weeks of five, probably more last Monday. Um, so we're now upwards of 20 kids who want to come out and be a part of it and be a part of just an evening program. Um, and and so, so there's that word of mouth mentality, uh, mentality that we're really growing on and, and people, we back what we do and coaches on the field and what they provide. And the kids keep coming back and they bring their friends and that network grows. And then you've got this wonderful thing called Facebook, which is amazing our, 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 our information and get to get to players and let them know the, the stuff that we have. And then we have, you know, well, the world's greatest seventh player of all time here um, involved in developing everything that we do. So that's a really huge draw card for us. So we're kind of lucky on that side of things that we, we have, we, people don't second guess us in what we're trying to do. Um, you know, we, we stand by what we want to do and the development we want to do. Um, and, and that, and that helps us with the promotion. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of, that's hopefully that's kind of the answer that, that you're kind of driving towards that you were thinking, Alex. Uh, we will be right back on Rugger Matrix America with Evan Haig. Apologies for the interruption, Alex. Juro Sen, host of Rugger Matrix International. And I've got a quick word about Strike, Australia's largest supplier of hands-free Bluetooth car kits, mobile phone cradles and reversing cameras. Check them out at strike.com.au and if you do decide to buy, enter the code RUGGERMATRIX and you'll get 10% off. So check them out, strike.com.au. Not only sponsoring Rugger Matrix International, but Rugger Matrix America as well. Plenty of Aussies and Kiwis and you name it listening to our American show. So, Alex, thanks for your time. I'll let you get back to it with Bruce and Pat. Hey, this is Ben Knight with the University of Wisconsin men's rugby team. Come see us play some sevens at the USA Sevens Collegiate Rugby Championships in Philadelphia on June 2nd and 3rd. To purchase tickets, go to USA7CRC.com. Go Badgers. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. All right, we're back on Rugger Matrix America. This is Alex Goff. We've got uh, Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton on, and Evan Haig from Old Puget Sound Beach, coach for them and also a coach with Cerevi Rugby. And I should point out, of course, that Cerevi Rugby has a marketing uh, partnership with RugbyMag.com, and uh, Waseli Cerevi writes a column for us, and I'm trying to get Evan to write a column for us too. So um, uh, maybe um, maybe Bruce can give him some encouragement help him do that but uh, Evan, you could write columns yeah. and get no money which is it's, really <laughs> awesome you can do shows and make no money either hey <laughs> it's, it's it's the modern american rugby it's world. a free it's, right. country it's a yeah. it, it is a special calling it's a special calling but um evan i i interrupted you because you did have a you were trying to answer uh bruce's question about um beach rugby Old Puget Sound Beach and uh, why it is that that players or for that matter coaches would want to come uh, up to the uh, the Pacific Northwest and play rugby. Yeah, without a doubt. So not only, you know, and I think beach and uh, Cerevi intertwine a lot with what we do. So everything that we do, beach is kind of that one of the uh, on-field arms um, to what we do. So you know, we have three grades with Beach. We have a special relationship with Seattle Rugby Club, uh, whereby that allows us to play um, year-round rugby. Uh, so we're talking summer sevens, we're talking spring Super League, 
we're talking spring Canadian um, Premier, uh, no, one division below Premier League, and we're talking um, fall uh, Division One in Canada. So we have year-round rugby, and what what the thing that attracts people to us um, is the the system that we've created, um, the the funnel that the development funnel that we, that we have, um, and it's and it's as I've said pre- numerous times is is the biggest conundrum for American rugby players is not being able to play enough rugby. And we solve that answer to kids can play. Um, not only can they play in the Super League and say they get injured or they get dropped with a bad form, they can drop down to our so-called second side um, who then plays a Canadian one, Division one team, which is no level uh, below the Super League on um, um, or may in some cases be above the Super League players. So they're really getting an intense environment to where they can really develop. And that's that's what brings people to us is that we we have this uh, competition level that we're playing at and we're driving a lot of kids there. Um, we have a, we have in the vicinity of six, seven, eight coaches um, within our within our club who all are all on the same path and trying to develop um, players to, to to perform at the highest level. So um, and then the other component that we have is we haven't lost the social side of social side of the rugby there. Um, it's really important to us that you know our second, uh, our third side um, still has that social component. That's still a part of rugby, and it still shouldn't be lost, in my opinion. Those guys are the heart and soul of the club. They're the ones that support you thick and thin. They're the ones who help you out in a pinch uh, when you need it. Um, so, you know that that's the part that we don't want to lose, and we want to keep developing that. We obviously want to keep the pinnacle of what we're doing, um, which is the Super League. Um, that is the pathway, and you know, with Mike Tolkien being taken into the national team coach, you know, it just it just adds to what we're doing. It it, it shows that he's supported of the Super League, uh, where he's come out already and, and, and ex- expressed that. And I know the coaches responded by, by uh, shifting around uh, when playoffs is going to be for him. Um, and I think it was a um, really important decision for us to show Mike that we support him, um, and and that allows us to to recruit nationally from players who are playing in Division One, Division Two, to really come here and um, and and want to be a part of what we're doing at, at Beach. Uh, so, you know, and, then- and and your players can go from the Super League team down to your D one D one BC team, and nobody throws a hissy fit that no. a player who's played two games in the Super League is suddenly Superman and and can't go down because you're able to you're playing in two completely different competitions. You're able to do something that a lot of teams elsewhere are struggling with, which is the movement of players between those two sides. Yeah, which is, and it's Alex, and, you know, I don't want to get into too much of the politics around that. <laughs> I'll get into that. that. But, it but, it but drives me crazy, yeah. But it, it is, it is it's, 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 it's sad because, you know, rugby is rugby's about development. Um, we shouldn't be hindering development in this country. We have, we have wonderfully talented athletes who just need to play more rugby. And that poor kid who's playing for Denver Barbarians, um, Who's on the cusp of the of the cusp of the team, but floats in and out and he plays three games because there's a couple of injuries, and then now he can't play on their Division One side anymore. That's that's sad. That means he's he's sitting there just watching rugby every weekend, and that's and that for me is not what rugby's about. Um, and and that's that's the hard thing. I get what USA Rugby are trying to do. They're trying to stop trying to stop teams stacking uh, stacking their sides, but. You know, it's it's the trade-offs you've got to live to, and and I I feel lucky that we don't have to deal with that for the time being. Um, that's that's what we that's what we we're always driving towards people, and I think sometimes our players forget about it. They forget how lucky they are that um, you know that 
that the cusp players get to develop and get to spend that time. And, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it already this year. And we've got uh, three 19-year-old kids who are on our bench um, who are all playing against sides of like, um, uh, uh, like Bayside, like rowers who are all helping them develop and, and they, their confidence in what they do going from playing high school rugby to playing men's, senior men's rugby has dramatically improved over the course of the last six months. So that's that's what we see is is that is is huge. Evan, I got one quick question. I know you're an yeah. Aussie. Yeah. Do you have a South African twinge to you? This, this, <laughs> there's something in there that almost has I, a little bit of a South African accent. I was wondering if you have spent time there. I haven't spent time there. My my problem is I spent time everywhere else. So my accent goes from. <laughs> From being an Australian, which I was uh, seven years ago, I haven't spent more than a month there over the last seven years. I spent two years in England, um, and then obviously backwards and forwards between the US. So, no, I haven't spent any time in South Africa, but I, I, I get all different types of uh, people saying my accent sounds this way, accent sounds that way, and I just, I just have to brush it off. Uh, even my girlfriend loves to make fun of me. She keeps calling me English, and I hate it. So. <laughs> I have one. Uh, I got one quick thing to ask. Uh... The most gregarious man in Pacific Northwest rugby, Tony Ridnell. Yep. What is uh what is his role at, at Beach? I know that he's uh you know, he he's he's a, about as good of a salesman as you could as you could ever have. It's it's very tough to say no to him. And I was uh I was just wondering how you know how he affects the beach club because uh he was Tony, a tremendous sevens and fifteens player for yeah, the and, West. And, and Tony is a personality in himself and we we love, we love TR for who he is. Um, TR is a huge supporter of the club. Um, he gets out there to most of the games he can. Uh, he's got a young family now, so that's where most of his time is centered around. Um, so I would say, um, you know, not to discount what Tony Tony's support of the club is, but it's, it's reasonably minimal at the moment. Uh, our biggest supporter is um, an old boy by the name of Chris Prentice, um, who is um, and and Chris Prentice, Jimmy Beget um, are our two big kind of supporters and old boy drivers um, in what we do. Um, and Chris is actually a um, is the is the CEO of Serevi Rugby, so he has ties between both. And um, that we have a lot of old boy support, um, a lot of people who are really excited about where we're going with what we're doing. Um, and and it's and it's and it's always nice to be able to walk off the field and, and see those see those uh, people they're supporting who are th- thick and thin. They've seen all the hard times. Um, and they've seen the times when we walked off the field and been beaten by 80, 90 points by the Belmont Shores and the Onbacks and and so on, and, and now we're turning around, and it's and it's and it's exciting for them to to see what we're doing. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, and I don't have a very great uh, understanding of of the relationship because, well, frankly, I, I don't know that much about Beach and its history. But yeah. what I do know is that there has been an idea floating around forever, um, or at least for as long as I've been paying attention, um, that about all city teams, about teams merging, and I know teams merge every once in a while, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. You know, Denver Rugby was uh, an amalgamation of a couple of clubs, um, and it happens all. You know, San Francisco Golden Gate, if I have my history correct, yes. um, was a merging of two clubs. Seattle, you guys have a have kind of a relationship with Seattle Rugby and with Old Puget Sound Beach. How were you able to? Were, were you around when that merger happened? And and if you weren't, um, understanding of it and what's been the success behind it? Because I'm sure every city that has multiple clubs thought about it in one time or another, or even tried it. But what's been yeah. the success, and how does that relationship work? The success has just been keeping our end goal in, in mind. Um, everybody, there's always political things. There's always people have their own 
uh, understandings of what's going on. The, the success has been um, both Seattle Rugby Club's coaches, uh, our coaches, and what we do is all about, firmly about just improving rugby and giving guys the experience to be able to play at that level. Um, there were some tumultuous times at the beginning uh, where, where players were like, well, why am I playing for this club when, when my club is not winning so well? Um, and vice versa, and, and nobody cares here. Nobody's paying any money with here. So there's always a lot of there's always a lot of mix. But the the, the key component is just keeping the end goal in, in sight. Um, it's the same thing, you know. When you got you got to view the administrative component as the exact same way as you view it on the field. It's you can't expect um, that Rome you can build Rome in a night. So you got it. You got to be patient. You got to let it develop, and you got to let it happen. And these things will have have its way of being able to work it out. If if everybody's intentions are the right in the right place and everybody's heart's in the right place, you will move that way. And those people who who isn't, they'll they'll move on, and that and that and that will get pushed as long as the people whose hearts are in the right place are, are, are steadfast in the way they want to do it and don't don't veer from that from that um, that goal that they have. Um, then then things are going to happen, and you know it it's it's still an interesting one because we're still two separate clubs. Um, I know there's been talks over the last few years about trying to uh, make it into one club, and like you're talking about a one-city club, like Golden Gate, uh, uh, San Francisco, and Golden Gate did a number of years ago. Um, I think we're heading that way, um, but we're not we're not ready to rush it. We don't need to we don't need to rock the boat just yet. So we, you know, we get through the season, we do what we're going to do, and we'll reassess like we do every year and and work out the right path for the next year. Give me some of the mechanics of how what is the relationship. So, so the, somebody's good enough to play for Seattle, they come and play for OPSB. Um, and somebody needs to be. I mean, tell me just what? How does it work? So basically, how it works is through the fall, we we play a Seattle rugby club. Um, so that's where we bring a lot of guys in, develop. Um, you know, Kellen Gordon's a really good example. He comes in, um, he plays for Seattle, but he's he's coach. Um, I'm still the coach of Seattle as well as I am the coach of Old Puget Sound. Um, I'm the head coach of both programs. Um, I oversee everything. So. Um, and I also have my hands in in the women's program as well. Um, I really like to see the development of that. So that's that 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 relationship uh, happens by the players come in. Uh, we do that, and then at the end of the, the fall, uh, we hold open selection trials, um, whereby I ask all those players um, who are either Seattle players um, or beach players or players from other local teams to come out um, and sit through a, a, a half day trial. Uh, we test them. We do scrimmages. We look at their ability, their skills, um, and, and where they stand, and, and we give them a little bit of an assessment. And then we pick a squad, um, and from there we just start practicing from November through. Um, Seattle come back, come back from their uh, winter hiatus and and join us. Um, mainly just the social players, because I have, you know, in the Super League you have to have 40, a 40 man roster, so I have 40 guys in my in my squad that I like to pick. Um, I can't play 40 guys every weekend and, and for the Super League. So that means that you know the math tells you that what is that 38, uh, 28 players are missing out. So those players are then dropping down through the through the leagues, um, through the different sides, and that's where we fill it in. Um, and so basically, our, our first and our second side uh, play very much the same system um, and have very much the same players who integrate and train together. Um, we have another way we do it on the field as well as we. We have a time where it's just what we call the Super League um, training squad. That 40-man squad comes to practice an hour earlier than the rest of the club, and they practice as a, as a tight unit, and then we split out, and then we go into our different teams from there, and we trade through the rest of the session. So um, that's kind of the integration. The, the flow happens quite naturally. Um, 
and we and we try to work as hard as we can to keep as much consistency within a second side. But anybody that's that's had a, a constant second side understands that a second side is one of the hardest jobs to coach because your player turnover is huge. Uh, okay, well, Evan, just before we let you go, um, you you did mention something on the on the the club side. You you talked about um, targeting a Super League championship. And and as, as you know, uh, Rugby Magazine made uh, um, Old Puget Sound uh, uh, Club of the Year for uh, 2010, and that was based partly on your improvement to get yourselves into the playoffs, and partly on the the, the National Sevens Championship. Uh, and it was also based on the fact that your your Seattle component was doing so well in BC. That was those were all parts of it. But you just made it into the playoffs. We weren't talking about a team that was going, you know, six and one. But you're you're targeting that now. What what is it about this year that could be special? Uh, I think it's it's the fact that we've returned ninety percent of our team last year. Um, so we've we've only had a small amount of turnover. Uh, we have a strong core group of guys who um, understand what the Super League's about. Um, you know, as as the turnover we that I've had in my four years of coaching is is being huge. Eh? I looked back the other day at um, at a roster from even the Nyack game where we went out and played Bruce Bruce's team and lost in the semifinal. We're still and we still lost seventy sixty to seventy percent of the guys from that side through through the, this side. So last year was somewhat of a development year for us to still make semifinals, uh, not play as well as what we did. We wanted to against Golden Gate, um, but the guys learnt the lesson from that, and that lesson has has stuck in their mind to to their intensity and to what they're doing. And they brought that to the new guys who, who were there and, and they really responded. Um, you know, that, that mindset is, is half the battle at the Super League. It's, it's such a short, intense season that you can't afford to have low periods and you've got to, you've got to be on, on the money the whole time. And, and that's probably the biggest thing that, I've, that we've worked really hard on and the players have really responded is, is getting their minds ready um, getting them thinking about rugby, getting them thinking about what they're doing on the field, not just running through the motions and not just doing it and hold on, we're just going to pass the ball out to our wings and let them beat five guys and that's how we're going to win games. That's that's not what we're about. We're about creating space and using space and that's basically what we've worked really, really hard on in developing, uh, developing this year and that's the difference between any year that I've been involved in the club and to where we're at this year. Sounds good. And uh, SereviRugby.com, that's where people want to go to get information about Serevi Rugby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everywhere. And, and we're off to, uh, we're in Chicago uh, April 21st uh, for another training camp. Um, we're offering a free coaching course on a Friday evening. Um, you know, we, um, we'd love for the kids to come out and be a part of the two day camp on 21st and 22nd. Um, and then there's a lot of youth programming going on throughout Washington. Um, and California that um, Matt Hawkins is working on down there. All right. Evan Hay with Old Puget Sound Beach and with Srevi Rugby. We appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks, Evan. Uh, we will be right back on Rugger Matrix America. Hi, this is Chris St. here from the Penn State University men's rugby team. Um, come out and support the Nittany Lions at the U.S. Sevens Collegiate Rugby Championship in PPL Park on June 2nd and 3rd. If you want to get tickets, go to usa7crc.com or help support the Nittany Lions at rugby.psu.edu and buy your tickets through there. Hope to see you there and go Nittany Lions. 
Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Well, we are back, and we said goodbye to Evan Haig, and we had a good talk with him, and we have another guest uh, here on the uh, show 84 of Rugged Matrix America, and that is Matt Huckabee. And Matt Huckabee is the head coach at Arkansas State University, but if you've been paying attention to rugby for a while, you'll know that really it all goes back to when he was a kid – uh, interested in playing rugby and got his father involved in coaching at Arkansas State. Matt ended up becoming uh, an All-American and played for the USA on the Sevens team. And I think they kept, uh, Matt, if I'm not mistaken, they kept trying to ply sandwiches with you, trying to get you to bulk your weight up and try to make the 15s team. But, um, uh, you know. You can only uh, eat so many Big Macs. That's uh <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can only do so much. Sometimes the body just behaves the way it behaves but uh in the end you you start you went back to to working uh with your dad uh uh coaching Arkansas State and then um that's become a a a professional position that you have uh taken over so uh Matt Huckabee uh welcome to the show hey thanks good to be here guys uh, and and Matt, first of all, we'll we'll start off with the fact that uh, you went down to uh, Marietta, Georgia, played Life University, and lost thirty to fourteen. And um, that's you know that's that's a big blow for the team. How did how did you guys how did the guys respond? Oh man, you know it, it was um, it, it was a, a big blow to our team. But you know we're, we're used to playing those tough games and, and not coming out, uh, not always coming out victorious in those games. And I, I think what we've taken back from playing teams like Cal and BYU over the years um, is how to rebuild stronger and how to come back home and hit the drawing board and to see our deficiencies. And if you watch that game, our our deficiencies were were, uh, pretty apparent, uh, very fixable, and we're going to reload, and we look forward to hosting them at home. Matt, um, I'll actually be down there April 21st, excited for my first trip to Jonesboro, Arkansas. I don't know if anybody's ever said that before, but uh, I am. Um, Second. Yeah. <laughs> um, I they got ask good you cheeseburgers a- down there after following up on last week's show. All right. Sweet. <laughs> I'm sure I'll hunt them out. Um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, and I'm sure that we were going to get to this one way or another, but there are a lot of people who criticize you or tease you for having a large amount of South African or foreign players. And um, I think it, you know, it, this is something that we should chat about. Um, not only do I think that it's it's fine that you have a bunch of South African players, um, but you do you do seem to be adding more American players. Um, it, your roster has kids from Texas, from Illinois, from all over the place. Tell me about. I mean, is that an, an emphasis that you're trying to make, or is it just kind of organically gotten that way? And and, and rugby in the South in high school is good enough to where um, there are kids that are able to play at this high level. Well, maybe a little of both. I'm de- definitely uh, trying to attract and actively recruit domestic players. Um, and what I'm finding, these domestic players are wanting to come play around their international peers um, in, in this international game. Um, good athletes attract other good athletes, period. And um, 
it, it's a really neat chemistry. It, it's a hard one to uh, foster sometimes. Um, I, I felt like we've done a good job negotiating it over the years. Um, but, you know, it just uh, when I come to practice every day, uh, I, for example, I, I came early to practice one day last year, and I see some of the guys huddled around, and, and they're doing something, and they're laughing, and they're yelling at each other, and they're teasing. And as I get closer and closer, I, I'm thinking, what the heck are they doing? So I'll pull up on the hill where they can't see me, and I'm watching. And pretty soon I realize one of the South African guys brought out a cricket bat, and he's teaching the Texas kids how to play cricket with a tennis ball, right? And these Texas kids are holding this cricket bat like a baseball bat, and they're saying, no, 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 no. You know I mean? We really get that kind of interaction. Um, and on the other end of that, we, got, we get some great first-tier athletes that come over from South Africa or New Zealand or Australia now. Um, but maybe they haven't been introduced to weightlifting or strength and conditioning to the level the American athlete has. Um, so in the weight room, you know, we, we, we teach them what a snatch is or a power clean. Uh, my Texas kids have grown up with that, of course, through, through Texas football. And I, and I think what they borrow um, from the international kids and, and how they learn just from playing side by side um, next to them every day in practice, um, I think the international kids are, are learning a lot from their um, domestic kids in the weight room and, and, and just, you know, the university setting. It, it's just a really neat environment. I, I know it takes some criticism. But I would uh, gladly invite anybody to come see what we're doing firsthand and then criticize it. Because, uh, you know, these are 18 and 19-year-old kids. Um, they come over. They're, they're, they're very gracious to be, have an opportunity in America. Uh, there's 50 million people in South Africa and only non-universities. So the opportunity is not there to, to study and play sports, uh, for example. And they come over and they get a college degree. And if you look at other sports in the NCAA, uh, they, they do the same thing. Um, I was just looking up uh, Auburn's men's tennis and Mississippi State's men's tennis. Um, Auburn's 91% international and Mississippi State is 77% international. Um, I just, uh, I, I think it is important to keep a, uh, a good balance because I, I like the chemistry. I, I like to have 60 or 70% domestic and 30 to 40% international. Uh, from a whole roster, and I have a roster of 60. And, you know, you add my little Japanese scrum half in the middle of it, and it, it's just it makes it a pleasure to coach every day in a really neat environment. Now, Matt, part of this is connected with your international studies program, right? That's part of you, – you have a relationship between the international studies program and the rugby team, so you can't go full domestic because of um, You know, I think we could at this point. Yeah, uh, mm, but they, okay. they do like um, the fact that uh, we represent and kind of give a face to uh, international department and the international student population in general. I mean, wh what better way to do that in, in, to assimilate international students in with the domestic students r through sports? I mean, that that's one of the the best bonding um, mechanisms you can find on a college campus. And what our what our university as a whole has done over these years, where most universities have experienced significant cutbacks from state and federal monies. And uh, let's face it, some campuses are flat out going broke and laying off faculty. Ours has been really savvy in growing the international student uh, department, and it, it's turned into a substantial revenue source. You handled that question so wonderfully, Alex, and I'm very impressed. Uh, I, w I was talking to Payne a while ago, and I know you guys are pretty good friends, actually. Yeah, and except when he beats me. 
I was, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sure he feels the same way on the opposite end. But one of the things I was, one of the things we were talking about is how at life you're able to use, he, he, he is able to use rugby to raise the academic profile of the school. And is that something that you're able to do with Arkansas State? Meaning that, meaning that it's, you're growing the you're growing the sport. You're using the sport, but the school is also using the sport to get maybe higher SAT score kids or or better GPA kids or kids who are going to do better in school and 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 possibly finish, whereas other kids may not have in the past. And they're raising the academic profile and putting them higher up in the rankings pool than they maybe used to be. Is that well, something that's happening at is happening at Arkansas State because I think that's I think a that's option. a pretty important thing, and and rugby can do that. Well, you know, and that's a that's a very good observation, Bruce. Um, I think uh, that along with you know, I mean, the world's just getting more and more globalized, right? I mean, we're we're talking through Skype right now. Um, business is going international. I mean, you you've got to have a global sense to you. And I think more than anything, um, you know, our, our rugby players and our international and domestic alike are very well known around campus. And it, and it just makes, you know, we're in Jonesboro, Arkansas, maybe not the most uh, globalized part in the country as far as having access to international people. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're exposing students here in Arkansas to students from other co- countries. And, and it's an easy thing. So I, I think the globalization and you know the the grades are one thing, and those will they'll dip and they'll be good some semesters, uh, but but they'll they'll compare probably uh, to a regular a- athletic team. But but I think just the globalization aspect, the the international student um, or the international business department have really really collaborated with the parents of some of our internationals and our international students, and it just brings such a good classroom dynamic now to that specific major. So so yeah, you are seeing that to to a certain degree. Matt, I want to ask because it seems like uh, people are always uh, quick to cover up their riches or say what they have or what resources they have. But I want to ask just point Blake, and, and hopefully you can answer for um, not just you, but give me an idea of uh, give us an idea of what uh, else there is out there. But what are you able to offer your players? Do you have scholarships? Do you have grant money? Do you have tags to get kids in when maybe otherwise they couldn't? Can you offer out of state tuition? What do you have, and what are other schools able to offer? I mean, you're recruiting against other schools. I know you got a kid out of Marietta, Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. You told me not to tell Dan Payne about it, like he wouldn't know, just jokingly. <laughs> know, but yeah. uh, you're recruiting against these guys. What What do you have, and, and and what are other schools able to give out? Well, you know, we offer in-state tuition at a very affordable Tier 1 university. Um, we have over 156 uh, fields of study at our university with various um, – degrees, whether they be undergraduate, postgraduate, doctoral, you know, degrees. Um, so I, I think the variety um, at a, at a first-tier um, university, you know, we're uh, in different fields of study at in-state tuition. Uh, we were voted one of the best value schools considering the meaningful degree versus the cost of attendance. So we're still in the South, um, and, and with in-state tuition for room, board, uh, tuition fees, um, you know, the, the total cost of attendance rarely exceeds 14,000 for a year. And, you know, that makes college really, really affordable. And that's something that really matters these days. And so we, we give in-state tuition for eligible rugby players that are approved by our coaching staff. 
and, and to, I'm sorry, to, to frame that, normally at, at almost all universities, out-of-state tuition is almost exactly double what in-state tuition is or international tuition to, as a point of reference. What, and you're also able to give the uh, – it seems like a varsity-esque environment, right? Your kids aren't paying for their warm-ups, so they're, they're not paying $200 of dues every year, and you're able to give them uh, a coach that's paid and give them kind of a, a more uh, professional training environment. Is that right, or correct me if I said something wrong? No, no, that's, that's exactly right, and that's something that's really, really big on, on my forefront uh, just as I'm moving forward here. Uh, yeah, we have we have our, our own designated – weight room or we have Olympic weights or we can, we can do the strength and conditioning. Um, our guys, I mean, if they go out to the local community and they're wearing a rugby shirt, um, the community stops them, tells them good job, you know, tough loss to BYU last year. I mean, they, they know it. They're on the news, they're on radio shows and they're in a training environment that's very professionalized. And we try to mirror a D one football program, um, as closely as possible. And let me ask, cause I, I asked a second part of that original question, and you didn't expand on it much, but what are your competitors giving out? I mean, I would assume Life is giving out a scholarship. I would assume, you know, I know Lindenwood is giving out a scholarship. Davenport can give out some scholarship. How many scholarship programs out there, and if not scholarship, how many people are able to do what you're able to do? Well, you know, I think you're seeing uh, schools. I can't speak for Life or um, Davenport. I, I, I have honestly no idea what they give. I mean, surely they give uh, an incentive, and I think that's pretty well known. But I think all schools are being creative to work with the resources they have to to attract. Um, and if you look at Dan Payne down at Life, you know, he's a very savvy recruiter. Um, I really respect what he's doing. He's getting minorities into the game of rugby. I, I love that. I mean, I, in, in my opinion, that's just waiting to happen, and that's going to really grow the sport. Um, and giving them access, you know, they life has a, a accredited undergraduate curriculum now. I mean, that if a degree from life is accredited, you know, it's not um, you know, but I can't speak as far as what resources they're offering their players. Uh, so Matt, you're 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 not teaching anymore. You were teaching at uh, at school, but now you you're coaching full time, correct? That's correct. All right, and but at the same time, I think. I think you take it pretty seriously how the guys um, take their studies and 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 pursue their studies. I mean, that, that's got to be uh, close to your heart uh, along with coaching them. It is. Uh, you know, my previous capacity, I was uh, a director of a federal trio program on campus, and we worked a lot with students with disabilities and first-generation students um, that definitely had the gray matter to, to be at a university, but maybe nobody in their family had ever been here they didn't have a lot of guidance so our job was to get them acclimated really fast and um, you know kind of monitor their persistence um, and that's been really neat to be able to take that experience I've, I had in my previous capacity to this coaching job because I do put student uh, before athlete and I still use those same skills um, you know to, I, I want to see every single one of my guys graduate unfortunately you can't graduate them all um, but, but I can try to, and, um, and that, that's a, that's a neat aspect. I, I still get to, to take that, uh, that part of, uh, my previous job and, and apply it now. And it, it is something dear to my heart. Well, I, th I think that's a great transition also, uh, to the life of being a, uh, being a full-time coach. You've got to think of yourself as a teacher and, and, and the fact that you're full-time coach, you know, I just think it wasn't that long ago that Arkansas State University was a very good Division two 
college program, but it was a Division II college program. It was coached by your father, Kurt, who uh, called himself an old country lawyer. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and well, you know, what I remember about that was um, I think this has got to be 2006, maybe uh, Middlebury against Arkansas State in the Division II final. And Middlebury had been told that they were not allowed to do the haka that they like to do before games. They weren't yep. going to be able to do yep. it. So your father uh, and, and the players from Arkansas State told Middlebury, before we go on the field, we're just warming up over here. You come do your haka for us here. Which was, uh, you know, that's the kind of, I mean, he's, if you don't know Kurt Huckabee, he's a very kind man, very, uh, very uh, uh, you know, essentially built this program out of virtually nothing, right? Right. And, and, really? and, and now we've got a national power that pays its coach and is working on, uh, you know, it has, has uh, special tuition deals for players and things like that. Well, you know, if I, you know, and that that's my father, he he really put an element of sportsmanship, which I think um, other sports are, are slowly losing. Um, but it's nice to see, for example, like uh, what you just said with the Middlebury and their Hawka or how Dan Payne and, and the life and ASU guys can, can beat the crap out of each other, then, you know, shake hands afterwards and go back to being friends. You know, I, you see that in rugby. And, and it's just neat that that sportsmanship in, isn't lost. But, um, you know, yeah, dad, dad laid down the, the, um, the building blocks and uh, taught me a lot about vision. You know, I mean, we didn't set out when we started in 97 um, to be where we are right now. That would have been overwhelming. You know, in the back of our head, I think we always thought, yeah, that's a general direction. But during the process, we're going to be proud of these little tangible goals that we're going to set every year and meet and just – our motto has always been to keep the program looking de- different progressively every semester. And so I remember the first semester, uh, we have four people at our first practice, myself, a guy from Argentina, and two guys from Spain. And uh, I, I remember the whole goal of that first semester being, let's just get 15 at practice. Because, man, if we had 15, we could go over a whole game plan, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, then, of course, next semester, it was like, hey, let's try to get 15 more so we can run against uh, defense in practice. So, you know, very humble goals, and they still are. But I, I think uh, if you stay at it long enough and um, you, you build off of it, I think you see an end product. And then learning from my father, that, that really taught me a lot about vision and, and how to really accomplish something. Well, I, I got to say that over time, I think that um... – Southern rugby has had had fallen off, and from from being at, at one point where Leifold White Atlanta Renegades would be would be three of the four teams in the final four in, in men's club rugby, and and I think that what Arkansas State did is they brought the South back, and they brought the South back in a in a big way. Uh, I don't think that there would be. Life University rugby without the success of Arkansas State. I don't think that the University of Tennessee would have achieved what they were trying to achieve without the success of Arkansas State. And I also don't think that LSU would have come back into the fold the way that they had come back into the fold without the success of Arkansas State. And I'm not saying that everything worked out the same way or, or that everything worked out perfectly. But I think that Southern Rugby has had a revitalization, and I think that the success of Arkansas State and Life and, and other universities allowed the creation of the ACC, 
And I think that that there's been and 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 the Huckabee and in your family and what they did for Southern All Star Rugby, because maybe you didn't have the greatest team or life or other teams didn't have the greatest team at one point, but they did have student athletes who they were able to grab together and turn into a decent Southern team with Tennessee and some other boys and, and do your thing. And I think that, uh, and I think that that was, is, is really important because I think that it's really important to have quality Southern rugby. And I'll t- I will tell you that although you sound like a Southern football coach at all, man, 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 you're going to do this and go, you know, boom, how, and all that kind of stuff from King of the Hill. And we're going to talk about Texas and we're going to talk about Hank Hill. And we're going to talk about Dallas Cowboys. And I don't know who the hell you like anyway, but I like the Super Bowl champion, New York Giants. But anyway, um, but I will say that it is heartening to hear you speak about the graduation of your students. Well, thanks. And and that is not something that you hear from. I mean, rugby coaches you hear it from all the time, but you don't hear that from Southern football coaches. Well, Bruce, thanks. So, or maybe maybe you do hear it, but they don't do it. You actually do it. <laughs> well, hey, that that's quite a compliment. But but I just you know would like to remind you, like when we were Division Two and Tennessee used to beat us and LSU used to beat us, um, you know that that competition uh really like you said that's it's really important for southern rugby to elevate all levels and you know that's why i'm I'm not opposed to the lindenwoods and the davenports in the lives you know um especially when i look right now on sports center and i see lehigh college or university upset duke uh you see teams like uh, Western Virginia. Don't say Norfolk Buffalo. State. Norfolk State. <laughs> Not say Norfolk State. <laughs> I mean, uh, but, Pat was Pat was just crying uh, the entire weekend about that. <laughs> and then, you know, but, but how cool drink- is that? We're, we're like last year, a school like Butler can make a Final Four. You know, it's uh, you know, that's rugby, and and I think we can learn a lot from how basketball is set up and how the tournament structure and the type of schools playing basketball and being successful and getting notoriety you, um, from from their good basketball programs where some of these schools can't even fund a football program. I think rugby's in a similar environment. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be borrowed from uh, the basketball competition, college competition. I know we're quick to look at football and branding and everything, but don't don't just let's not throw out the Lindenwoods and Davenports and lives just yet because um, if you'll if you'll turn on your TV tonight, you'll see some quote, no-name universities doing just fine and people paying a lot of attention to them. You know what? I, w- I was actually funny that I was talking to Dan Payne about this, and we- we're sitting there, and everybody's like, we need branding. You need branding. I'm like, dude, how about you play a good game of rugby? Yeah, that's pretty good And problem. don't start giving me this crap where you got 50,000 kids at your school and you're going to whine about life. Or Arkansas State's beating you. I mean, give me a break, brother. You got to be. You are absolutely hypocritical and full of crap. Well, you know, I think the best part about that is, and Matt, I'll let you run off with this maybe, but is that you did start from nothing in 1997. I mean, what's that, 15 years? I'm not great at math, yep. but you, you started from nothing. It's not like you, you. somebody said, here's a bunch of scholarship money. Go get me some 
some rugby players that what you've done at a large state school should be the model for somebody else at another large state school and some that are even much, much larger. And I think it's great that you guys have, have literally come from uh, the, you know, the, the modest, the most modest of beginnings to, to where you are in such amount of time because you were able to kind of go through the right channels at the university and talk to the right people and, 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 you know, pitch the right sales pitch. I think that that's great. Well, I think, you know, maybe not our model specifically, but I think if colleges collectively will quit looking at other schools so much and what's unfair, but look at the resources they're working with, they can be creative too and figure out a model that works for them. You know, nobody's going to touch Cal's funding, but that works for Cal. We're not going to try to use Cal's model here. We're going to try to close the gap any way we can using our model. Life's not going to use our model at life. You know, BYU they're going to employ a different strategy than West Point. But the point is, I think you'll see the successful teams have kind of embraced that and figured out how to close the gap with what they have. And, you know, if anybody should have a problem with life, it should be us. You know, here they are. They're getting better and better. But I know I look at them and I know that we're not going to get better if we don't have competition like that where we can play a game close year in, year out before we get to the postseason. So, you know, I might take my lickings like I did Saturday, um, but you know what? We'll hit the drawing board and we'll learn from it. You know, we, we look, we say, hey, we're not fit enough. Let's go do some more work on this. And so uh, my guys have been doing all week. They all stayed home from spring break and we've been running two and three day camps just to address uh, some of the stuff that went on in the life game. And that's what makes you better. That's what's going to make rugby better in general. Matt, how do you approach some of the that we we talk about it being great to to have rugby strong in the South, and I think part of what we're talking about, uh, and you touched on this too, is um, uh, the athlete pool that's there, yeah, and, and minority athletes and mm-hmm. and athletes who have grown up in places like you know like the Jarvis Alburys of the world who uh, yeah, exactly. you know who just like never seen a rugby ball. And, you know, an, an African-American kid who, who comes from Houston or somewhere and just says, I have no idea what this is. Um, is, is, there a, is there a formula? Is there a way to approach these kids to get them to think rugby in college, even if they haven't played in high school, or, or, or to teach them the game when they get there? Either way. You know, high school would be ideal if, they, if they've been familiar with it at all in high school. Um, you know, look at the uh, Woodson, right? For life, their their center. That guy, that kid's amazing. Just wait for him. Um, you know, it's not too late in college. You know, if he's an athlete, get him the ball, teach him the game. You know, um, it, it they can pick it up and you know start him out. If he's a runner, start him at wing and simplify the game for him. And as he learns it, move him in. Uh, we've messed, we've we've toyed around with uh, crossover athletes from football. Um, you know. The, the point being, we've, we've got to get the athletes. You know, when I was in ninth grade in my junior high school, that's still junior high, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, in Jonesboro, Arkansas, we had four guys on our ninth grade junior high basketball team that could dunk in a game. And that's just in Jonesboro, Arkansas. That's, there's athletes. I know there's athletes like that all over. But if you can grab a few and introduce them to rugby, it, you know, we're, we're heading in the right direction. I don't think I have four guys on my AC rugby team who could dunk right now. <laughs> well, I think that I think that's a great way to end it. And Matt Huckabee, I really have, uh, appreciate you coming on the show, especially after a tough loss like that. But it's an interesting thing that's going on 
with your program. And also you, you made the point, everybody needs to find something that makes their program work and really go after it. And it's different for everybody. So, uh, you know, it's different for Arkansas State. Go with it. Good for you. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Hey, Hulk, I got to say, you were an awesome interview. I mean, we had two great interviews today. What a what a fantastic show. I, I, I am very happy with this. This was this was good. And information and, and the way Hulk handled his questions and the way Evan handled his questions, this was a fantastic show. It was awesome. Great. It's a show that makes us proud of this sport. Well, we are very happy to have had Evan Haig on the show and talking about Cerebri Rugby and Opeja Sound Beach. And then we go all the way over to Jonesboro and uh, talk with um, Matt Huckabee about Arkansas State Rugby. And uh, very good. We've got, we've got some stuff that we wanted to talk about that I think we're going to be perhaps doing an extra little show. So watch for that on RugbyMag.com because there's a bunch of legal stuff and bureaucratic stuff and things like that and forms and uh, certificates of uh, oh it just it's it's going to excite you how much paperwork we have to go through so we're going to go through that watch for that show because I think it'll, it's going to be good don't forget to go on uh, ruggermatrix.com for the ruggermatrix international show you can also listen to the ruggermatrix america show go to the itunes store to uh, access this show through the itunes store you can always download it you can download it off rugbymag.com as well and always make sure you go to rugbymag.com for everything you need uh day-to-day news and analysis and so that's been great thanks to matt and thanks to evan for pat and bruce thanks uh we thank you for listening to rugby matrix america <laughs>